All right, welcome to the Top 4 Pod. It's been a minute since we've been back, but we've got the Champions League and the Europa League, essentially the European um, summer tournament going on. We've got Garbs, we've got Teddy Atlas, we've got Mr. Sevilla on the line, also known as Lewis Joyce. Uh, but we definitely want to start this podcast off with a special uh, rant from Mr. Garbs and Explain to us how this came about and how you woke up enlightened and wh- how this, this rant came to be, and let's hear it. Okay, well, there's a first part of the rant that I have to get out there, which is the only game that I am recognizing from the last week was, happened between Sevilla and Man United, um, and the Kings <laughs> of Europa League got a W, <laughs> and I'd just like to bring up the fact that it took Sir Alex Ferguson – the greatest manager in history, nine years to win the Champions League, and he only won it twice in 27. So I just want to get that out there first, and now we'll go on the rant of my own team. Um, So we're just just heading off the haters real quick. Yeah, no, I just – I got to get my my anger to an appropriate level, so I figured I'd start with that. (laughs) Um, No, so I actually did – something bad that was really good before the game i bet on leon at plus 1044 because (laughs) i said that those odds for man city in a knockout game in the champions league are insane especially a one-legged tie and vegas or whoever did that really screwed up because i guarantee a lot of people were i actually know quite a few people that were on leon that day um but it just had that feel like pre-game and then when the lineup came out, that feel was doubled to tripled. Um, and that's that's where I'm kind of going to go with my rant. I, I Saturday was a day for me that I was, I was literally, I think, maybe the most disappointed I've ever been as a sports fan on Saturday. I'd, I'd have to get that out. That was um, so deflating and disappointing, and I didn't really know how to deal with it. And nighttime, I was sitting on the iPad going through YouTube stuff. And I actually, like, I texted Ted on Sunday morning, I think. Or may, it might have been yesterday. But, like, honestly, I, I couldn't get it out of my head for the entire weekend. It was it was one of, if not the worst. And I've seen some bad stuff. I'm a Red Sox fan. I, I watched Game 7, Aaron Boone. Um, yeah. Bruins lose in Game 7 last year of of the Stanley cup fine. Like I've seen some things in my sports days, but, but that one just hurt. And I couldn't really come to grips with it because you could kind of go with the argument, the typical uh, city defend like shit, blah, 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 which obviously is true, but blame it on the players. You could blame Sterling for not taking his chance, which was one of the worst misses I've ever seen in my life. Um, We'll get to that for sure. (laughs) But, but for me, like, so I, I coach another sport, and I've coached it at the pro level. Um, and I was just thinking about my own personal experiences, and I, I remembered early on in my career, I lost a job over what Guardiola did on Saturday. Um, I think City have – I mean, this is arguable, but I don't think like top top three talented squads, not like complete squads, but – top three, if not the top talent squad in the world, right? They play a certain brand of football that is them. It's it's the way they play and they live and die by it. And 
the players have clearly bought into that system. And although we get ripped at the back, sometimes like Arsenal FA Cup game, whatever, that's their system. That's the way they play and train day in, day out. And you, I saw the team sheet and I was confused. Um, and then I saw the way that they set up at the beginning and it made sense for Leon, like the way that they play. But how can you as a manager take your team, which is on paper and on the field, a better team? And how do you adjust for the, the underdog team and they just play the way that they play always? You're the one that changed your team and overmanaged and overcoached in order to plan for a team that's seventh in the French league. Like it, that, that part of it makes no sense to me. And, and I look at mistakes that individual players make and it's like Guardiola has always said about the champions league, like, Oh, we're not there yet. We're not mentally tough enough and blah, blah, blah. And all that stuff. And it's like, it all kind of came to light to me. Like, well, you get into a knockout game and you've played a certain way for four straight years and that way has worked. It has had its faults, but it has worked. And it's what your players have bought in to do. And then all of a sudden, going into a knockout game with another team, your manager decides you weren't good enough at the way you do it. And you have to try to do it a different way to win a knockout game. Like for me as a player, how can you go out and have confidence knowing that your manager didn't have confidence in you? Um, we leave guys like Mares on the bench or Bernardo. So we leave attacking players on the bench to play a midfield three that might be the slowest in European football. And I, I just don't understand how you adjust to a team that you're better than like that's, it breeds to me non-confidence. And if I'm a player and I see that, I feel the same way. So my, my basic rant is I'm tired of hearing of the shit defending and this and that the coach set the team up the wrong way and not only set them up the wrong way, but he, stripped his players of any confidence so individual players i will not rip for any mistakes that they made in that game that that entire game is on the coach yeah i mean 100 the uh it reminded me of when you look at what unai emery did at arsenal <laughs> when he had superior teams like basically unai emery would set himself up to he set his team up for to basically negate the team, the other, the other the opposition's weaknesses. But in that situation, your team is so much better than them. You should just be dominating them anyway. So when I look and at city, yeah. So when I look at city, I'm like, just, just play this, play the way you play, and you'll, you'll smoke Leon three one maybe. But I'm like, you think about it, okay? So in the three years that we've gone out of the Champions League, what's been the common theme? This, this yeah. is it. So, like, these big ties, like, yeah, of course players are going to feel nerves and all that kind of stuff. But, like, when you double and triple that nervousness by the way the way he approaches these games pregame, too, you can already tell he's going to do something like this. Because he's I, – I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't explain it. Liverpool two years ago, same thing happened first leg, right? Last year, Tottenham. We were the best team on the planet last year. There was nobody that could do anything with us. And he goes into the first leg at Spurs and sits back and plays on his heels. And we lose 1-0, and then it comes down to the stupid own goal. But it should have never been there. You put your best team out. You go play the way that's successful to you and the way that your guys have bought into playing. And you go get a result. Like, I, I three years in a row in the Champions League, and nobody can tell me otherwise. I, I'm not faulting any players or anything that happened. That's on the manager. He makes it bigger than what it is to the players. 
Because at the end of the day, guys will go out and there's nerves and butterflies at the beginning, but you get over that and you play the game. And in, in this case, how do you expect guys to go out and play the game when they're playing a system they've never played before and they found out about it a day before a freaking game? So do you buy in as a city, do you buy into like the overthinking thing or do you buy into like he has, and again, we, we kind of talked about this. He's one, two, two, three Champions Leagues with Barcelona, yep. two. Like, do you buy into the fact that maybe he's, I won't say lost his touch, but like basically he is trying to do way too much with the squad that he doesn't need to be that picky with. I think that he did the same thing at Bayern Munich, and that's why the Munich oh, fans always yeah, call him a like, failure. What, so since the Barcelona days, is what I'm trying to say almost is like, is there? I just, is, it, I think that he begins to act out of character, and then he makes. Like and he stays in character for literally every week of the year besides the weeks of knockout Champions League games. And right. then he starts saying different shit in his press conferences and he starts doing different stuff and then all of a sudden you see a lineup come out that you've never seen and literally we play the first forty five minutes of every one of those knockouts and like the weird thing about this one was we were still in the game. The other two times we like Liverpool hit us for three boom like that. Yeah. And like you know what? We may give up a goal off of a shitty defensive play going the other way on a counter. But the way that we've always played is, yeah, that's fine, but we're going to create enough chances to win anyway. And then all of a sudden you abandon all of that the second it's a Champions League knockout game. I don't know if he has – maybe he's starting to take things to heart about the things people say about him about the Champions League, but it's like ignore that noise. You can do it the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's like, yeah, that game was a microcosm of our season, but I would say it wasn't at the same time because our season, when we lost games, we did it still playing our way. And it was just that this year, especially, we were especially bad at the back because of Laporte being down most of the year and not having a second option at center back. But, but like, I'm tired of that same story. And I, I don't know if you guys saw De Bruyne's post game, but no, I he was, didn't. he was pretty blunt, man. He was, he didn't make excuses or saying that stuff. He said, we do the same shit. He was like, same thing every year. Same story. Yeah. It's always all oh, a couple mistakes or this, or we didn't take our chances. He was like, it's the same story every year in this, in, in this competition. He was like, something's got to change. And whatever. I, I, I imagine that there's certain players in that dressing room that are not happy right now. Cause they don't think he gave them the best chance to go through. I also think in a one-off, kind of situation like we're playing a knockout tournament round i think city are best positioned if you look at squad depth and like you said for sure to win so he should and again like i said it's maybe it's a mental thing with him i don't know you know people go through weird life changes and stuff like that but he's definitely had a different change of tact since he left barca and went to Bayern. like he was at Bayern. like Bayern got you know, they got smoked a couple times. Like, they just – it's very weird to me that he's gone through this whole situation. But there definitely needs – you know, at four years running. And this is also – I, I want to open this conversation also to, like, a, to, the, to the group. I think the Champions League is becoming a situation where you're defining super clubs, right? So, PSG, Juve, Bayern, City. Like, those clubs don't eat – like, the Champions League is almost becoming, like – it is. It is what it is, right? It's it's the it's the golden, it's the holy grail, right? So, those clubs like who they can win five, six, seven, 
Serie A's in a row. No one cares unless they win the Champions League. Same with PSG, City. They're in that like City. Like they, I mean, you guys want you have a domestic treble or you had domestic treble last year, but no one really cared because you didn't win the Champions League, right? So, same situation with Real Madrid, Barcelona, the same thing. Like I think the Champions League is kind of drawing us into that judging coaches in that situation, but I think Pep in this situation with the quality of his team and the talent that he has overthinking it is probably after four years is probably being a little bit too kind. He's just kind of bottling at this point. I don't know what everyone else thinks. So I mean, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to disagree with you saying that. Yeah. Ted Lewis, what do you all think? I think it's fair criticism. Um, but I think with the way he coaches and the way he's very technically focused, it's easy to become a tinkerer and to kind of overthink what you're doing as opposed to just the old school, hey, my team's better than your team, let's roll the ball out and play. Um, and I think in addition to him, like you look at, I think Klopp's been guilty of it a couple of times, you know, in the way he's played um, and some of just more in some of the uh, personnel decisions. But then you look at, the classic one was probably, no, not on the same level, but Brendan Rodgers is known for doing similar things. Like when you had that Liverpool team and Suarez and Sturridge are scoring goals for fun, all of a sudden he would change the fullback or change the centre-back or you know, put Sturridge on the bench, whatever it may be. I think it's just over-coaching at its finest. Um, there's no reason why they should lose to Leon. No. Um, you know, I think this year, looking at this year's is the most long so obviously they've got blown away in the, in the league as well which is shouldn't happen either and I think obviously the Champions League kind of being created in a way like right now it's for me it's kind of taking the gloss off the competition because of how kind of separate it is from the rest of the football season like you know Bayern have been done for months and have been able to kind of just go whole hog at it so I mean I think it was one where you look at it from that standpoint City kind of I think gave the league up a while ago. For me, this should have been. And the focus was on two things and we lost both. Yeah. And that's, that's a little concerning. You know, I think it's, like you said, it's always been, defending's always been a kind of a secondary focus, but I mean, hasn't looked as, obviously we're rampant against us the first time around, but obviously that's, there's a point to be proven there that's kind of uh, emotional. Whereas I think the Champions League one, I'm not sure that same emotion come out or the same fire came out. And yeah, even the even the Madrid game, to be fair, I didn't think was there was much of a as much pop in that as there was the Liverpool game, in my opinion. The second leg of the first leg, because I think the first leg was an actual like coming of age. I thought at that point, I thought that was the change. That's I think why this hurt so bad because I thought the first leg in Madrid was one of the best. Champions League games I've ever seen City play. Right. As a whole, like from a defending standpoint, from an everything standpoint, where usually we go away to a big place like that against a big team and we go down 1-0 and we're done. Yeah, I think think that's fair. But he set that team up that day to play the way that we played. I mean, the midfield three, I I think I... I texted the group when it came out and I went, I think I said, what was it? Lack of pace. Or I think it was no what, hashtag, hashtag lack of pace. I think is what I said. Um, 
and it, you know it, that wasn't a surprise to anybody I mean I think the fact that of all the things that again as a not a City fan plainly of all the things Gundogan is he doesn't strike me as a competitor like if I'm if I'm picking a five-a-side team out of City's team he's not getting anywhere near it if I'm going in a competitive you know we're, we're playing for running or something like that he's not getting anywhere near it and that's that was the one I think that you could justify the other two in the midfield. I think without too many, you know, questions. But I think that him throwing in that mix just doesn't. He wouldn't have like fit, filled me with much. Like, oh yeah, when it gets in the trenches, we've got someone. I don't think you do but in that in that regard. The weird thing for me with Gundo though is Gundo in Champions League has always been one of our best. And I actually thought last year to end the season, that 16-game run, and he was one of our best players. But you can't – like, there's certain combinations. I, 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 Somebody put up the stats the other day. Gundo and Rodri on the pitch at the same time, I think we lost every game that they played together. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Kind, of, that kind of makes sense when you look at Gundo. I, I kind of agree with Ed. I'm not saying he's, a, he's not a good footballer. I'm just saying I don't think – he instills a lot of confidence and this is coming from an Arsenal fan, you know? So like, look at our midfield three are like a goddamn disaster, but like, he just kind of, I think he, he takes a lot of the safe play. Well, Rod Rodri plays, takes a lot of the safe, like he, he cycles the ball around a lot, but he cycles it with purpose. I don't think Gundo does that a lot. And that's just me watching, having watched. And again, I'm, I watch you guys every third game. So, you know, you guys can talk, you know, you, you garbage, you know, more than I do, but from a, from a perspective of just watching him, I don't think he brings a lot to it where I would have rather had Silva on the field or, or Bernardo, Bernardo or yeah, that's Bernardo. And I like that, uh, not David, but Bernardo or, or Mares. like in that situation, I would have rather had that extra creative outlet in that situation. than I would have had Gundo on there, but I mean, I, I know that again, coaches also do fall into the, trap of having like favorite players you know so it is kind of what it is and Gundogan's definitely a favorite of his in Champions League and that may be like to what Ted's saying that may be why we don't go far but I've never been a big Gundo fan but I've learned to respect and appreciate what he does recently but he and Rodri on the field at the same time just does not work will not work and especially with Fernandinho as the third like Fernandinho by himself did a job for eight years and I know he's not what he used to be but if you needed him to be the guy, have him be the guy and then play two guys pushed up. I just I we've never ever sat with three defensive three holding midfielders ever. And yeah. to decide to do it against Leon is just absolutely baffling. Yeah, I didn't understand so why question. they didn't why they didn't go. If they're gonna go if you could do one as a guy who he thinks in a in a game that is very European, you know, in terms of empty stadium, knockout against you know, against obviously a very European team. Why they didn't just stick De Bruyne in front of him and say, "Right, go play football, be free." You got two behind right. you to do all you're defending. Go play. Yep. Right. And I thought and that, he was brilliant. I thought he was the only player on our team really that De Bruyne did everything he could to win that tie by himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and honestly, you guys, you guys were a sterling finish away from probably it all being different. Yeah, probably. So, not and not yeah, honestly. Look, those those chances fall to players of all calibers. I've seen Ronaldo, Cristiano miss chances like that. I've seen Messi miss chances like that, and just kind of happen at the wrong stage where in the wrong time of the year when everyone's actually literally watching because it's a summer tournament. But I think Raheem's had a great, great 
great season. I think he's probably one of your best players. Or he is one of your best players, and it just sucks that it happened to him. And I, I actually felt bad because you know it was bad when the actual opposition goalkeeper, Leon's goalkeeper, came over and like literally hugged him because he felt so bad for him. So he's got to be inconsolable, huh? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's like a finish. Nine point nine 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 times he he puts in like I mean he was if you watch the I've watched the replay multiple times he he's already celebrating when he hits it and then it just somehow goes over so I don't know I didn't watch it more than yeah I'm sure you did I wouldn't <laughs> I would be I literally, I literally wouldn't have watched that thing that that whole I wouldn't watch the highlights at all so anyway Sterling's got that in him though mm-hmm. yeah for sure he's he had not... kind of gotten rid of it for a while though. But it's there. I know there were stories about him and Arteta like literally like, practicing that finish like multiple times in the the pitch because like he was like, dude, back post. That's what Pirès did. Like back post, sit there, just tap it in every time. He, so, but when he misses, it, it's always a ball coming right to left. Yeah, is is he? He's he's right footed though. Yeah, right so, yeah. So it, it, it is. Well, it's an easier. Well, no, nah, because the way it runs across the box onto a right footed player. Come any other way is easier because it's more of like you, you yep, see your foot is there and you, you just, right. just redirect it. Whereas that one, you know, the way he's hitting that, he's got to get through it uh-huh. if he's going to hit it that way. And the minute he's it's like a you know a golf shot or you know, baseball swing, or whatever, as soon as you start leaning, yep. ball's going ball's going one way. And right. it is a uh, it it's everybody's done it. Everyone who plays has done that. Where you like you just think ah oh, this is easy and you get your little lazy with your technique and all of a sudden you know you like them they like the moron. And uh, yeah, I think he's he's much more comfortable. Look at the ones he does score without with ease. It's the ones where he's on the back stick on the right hand side. Ball comes across, and he's just you know redirecting things at the back post. Scores them all the time. Scored yeah. one against against Madrid. Yeah, and then the other way, he's I think every player is is you're always a bit more concerned right footed player going right to left and left to right. Makes sense. And then you like I almost compared to like Suso's goal in the Sevilla versus Man United, where he was left footed, like he he hit that same kind of same across the across the goal, but he hit that like right inside the post. That was so. Yeah, you're right. Technique wise, I I can see that. What what do we think Pep goes from for here from now? One more. What's he got? One more year on his contract, or do he extend? Um, they're saying that he. That's rumors that he signed a short extension. I don't know what short means. And I don't want to get this confused as to, like, I'm a pep out guy because that's not even close to the case. Um, What he does week in and week out, I think I really enjoy watching us play. Whether we win or lose, I think we're a really enjoyable team to watch. Um, And I think you can't – people like what you were saying domestically, the guy went 100 points and 99 points back-to-back in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. And see – like calling him a bad manager, like bad, like not, not true. But I think in the champions league, somebody has got to get into his ear and get him to listen and say, take a little help or advice from somebody on those situations, you know, but I'm not on the pep outside. I hope he stays for as long as he can, because I mean, our recruitment has been incredible with him and I think he does. Overall, you can't ask for much more than what he does domestically. This year was our, our down year. Yeah, everyone has him. I think in some ways he's got a. I think he just has to not play chess, and just play yep. checkers. Just play checkers instead. Yep, I totally <laughs> agree. I totally got, agree. 
you've got a system it's hard to play against put your best 11 out there and and, and, let, and let them roll and I, like you said I, I think that's probably at the the crux of what happens he, he didn't I don't think he did that I think in hindsight he'd probably in private would agree that um, but that was the other thing that I was going to rant about that pissed me off just admit on. you got it wrong just admit you got it wrong like his post game was the same as all the other ones and we played a gr- we played a beautiful game and blah blah blah. We didn't take our chances and they took theirs. Like it was, uh, I wanted for once him to just say, "Hey, listen, I got it wrong," because I could swallow it so much easier. But like the the post game, I didn't like, and all the noise coming out after, I did not like. Just just admit you got it wrong. People, I think people in general forgive people easier when they're that versus he kind of stuck his nose up afterwards and that pissed me off. Speaking of uh, post-game moratoriums, PK came out after the 8-2 <laughs> demolition. So we'll move on from City. He said, if they ask me to leave, I'll leave. Lewis, what was your overall take? Did you watch this game, the 8-2 demolition? What was your take? Did you did you have any recollection of – for me, it looked like a 7-1 like defeat of Germany of Brazil. What was, what was your kind of like – overall feeling for this game i didn't get to watch it um i've refused to pay for the cbs all access thing well you get a month free right now ah uh, yeah but i'll forget to cancel it so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 100% meg's already literally like counting down the days and she's like you have two more days or 14 more days till you cancel this so i i didn't watch it my uh barcelona fan friend who was uh texting in anguish the entire match which was probably the most joyful thing I've had in the entire COVID. <laughs> uh, it's from his text. It sounded a lot like the Germany Brazil deal, but um, I'll let someone who actually watched it speak uh, to that a little bit more. Did you? Who was the quote afterwards? Was it Mueller? Did you guys? I think somebody yeah. sent that. Yeah, Mueller, Mueller, Mueller said. Mueller said. He said because he's obviously he played in both games. He said we didn't feel like we were in much control during the Brazil seven one, but basically. We dominated this game and like could have done whatever we wanted against Barcelona. So that's good. Always solid. Well, then Goretzka came out and they asked him, "How did you feel bad doing that to Messi?" And he mm-hmm. went, "No, <laughs> 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 no, we actually enjoyed it." I mean, I don't I'm know. fine I, with that. I watched the game and it was uh, it was borderline pathetic. I mean, just as as easily as they were carved out, they continued to try and play out over and over again. And by Munich were just similar to, you know, kind of Liverpool setup, whereas they were just sucking them into playing into pockets and then just flooding areas with players and still continuing to try and play through it. And then when they did play forward, they were still playing so high as a back four with a serious kind of lack of pace against probably one of the most frightening you know, front threes plus Davies you're ever going to deal with. And it was just so bizarre to see no no adjustment, like no change. They just kept on just inviting them in to just to hammer them. And it was just very bizarre. Um, yeah, and I think the writing's on the wall. We've said it before, this very ageing squad. And you can't play against a team that's fresh, which, you know, by me is very fresh, very athletic and in form with a squad that, can't cover ground, and that's just what it looked like. 
Um, so Barca's squad is literally the oldest squad in the Champions League. At, or was it 29? Almost 30 years old. Nick Vidal, Piquet. What's Ter Stegen at? He's pretty. He's kind of getting up there. Suarez doesn't look like he has any pace left. Messi uh, obviously is at 33. So it's very interesting. But you look at the Bayern machine, keep keeping ticking through. You got Gnabry, Alfonso Davies, all those guys coming through. Coutinho comes in on loan from Barcelona, scores two goals, <laughs> and sets up one. Did Amazing, you, just absolutely incredible. Did you see <laughs> the Did you see the best part of that? If if Coutinho wins the Champions League with uh, Bayern, that Barcelona have to pay Liverpool fifteen million. <laughs> oh, no, are you serious? Swear yeah, because because all of his all of his incentives in his contract are individual, oh not, not team based. Oh my god! But so don't worry, both, but, Barcelona so don't up. pay taxes, so it's okay. They spent one hundred and forty million on a player to knock them out of the Champions League. Let's talk about Barca because talk about a team like an absolute free fall. Yeah. Yeah. We I mean we've already I mean I I went on a rant five or six episodes ago, but the president's about to get fired. The coach has already been fired. They're about to pre- replace him with apparently Ronald Koeman, which is interesting Bizarre. to say the least. Um you've got Messi wants to leave apparently and and I I would I don't blame him like to be fair Messi's emotional after big losses like he he was about to quit Argentina and then he came back for two World Cups or whatever it was but I don't even know if that was an emotional loss though you know what I mean like uh, that, oh, was that, was a... just, that was an absolute just hammering <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, you look and you got PK, PK comes out like right after the game and says he's gonna if if they want him gone he'll leave I mean you got Arturo Vidal is he should be playing in Chile on making hundreds of thousand dollars a week on or China or whatever and not having to worry about it. I mean, the whole team. I get Dembele. You spend a hundred million dollars on. You spend a hundred million dollars on. Uh, who's the other? Oh, Coutinho. And then you've got the whole the whole funk. How much? They, with, however uh, much they spend Griezmann. on Griezmann. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like can't say they haven't I mean, spent. Yeah, and now they're trying to get Neymar back, and it's like Neymar's like, well, actually, my team might you know, be better cool now. Up here. Yeah. And they got rid of uh, Abby Dalte, didn't they? Sporting director. They come to a decision to mutually terminate his his contract, which yeah, all that Abby Dal went through, um, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and that's a that's a very cl- fan focused club. So, and yeah. they do those vote. They do the votings around like the president. I mean, the president's going to get sacked for sure. So I don't know. It's like I said. I think the Champions League becomes like the ultimate prize for a lot of these clubs and they and they they build around that and then when they don't succeed it's very very brutal for them because like Barcelona if you don't win the league and you don't win the Champions League I mean what what what's the point for them Juve you win the league you don't win the league and you don't win the Champions League what's the point for them and they're they're spending all this money on all these pay, players for 250,000 dollars a week I mean Barca, Barca, and Juve both have to blow it up. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like you, you, they. A lot of these clubs are just in this model where if you can't afford to pay, and like those, especially in those leagues where you don't have the capability to, like, and again, Garbs, you'll you'll probably hate me for this, but like, if you don't have the money like coming from other sources to pay your wages, like you're completely screwed in that situation if you don't win the Champions League because even the final loss is like. 
okay one year, but after that, you, you better be winning. So it's it's very well, interesting, and also it also kind of like points to like if we have a super league eventually, what that's going to look like. I do think still though that in England, I think that winning the league matters. I think it's like the only one left because all those leagues are basically two team races. If like Germany's not even a two team race, it's a basically handed over, and and Italy's been that way for a long time. Whereas in the Premier League, it's everybody fighting every year. So I do think it's a little different in that sense. But like a Barcelona, if they're if Champions League quarterfinals is as good as they can be, that's not good enough for them. And the thing is, like, I think that a lot of these players now, the Premier League is where they want to be. It's the most watched league. It's it's everything. So I think it's going to be harder for them to come back as quickly as it would have been five, six years ago. But you look at all the generational talent they've lost and they've tried to replace it by buying. And a lot of those guys came up through their academy. Like you can't replace that buying guys that aren't playing for the crest. Like you can't buy a Xavi. You can't buy an Iniesta. You know what I mean? It's a, and they've tried to buy guys to replace those guys. And it's just not possible. Yeah. hundred percent. I feel. That's what I love you. Ted, you want to add to that? I said, no, it's just hard to argue that. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like in La Liga, I mean, the the thing I the thing I do take comfort in watching these other leagues is like, in the in the Spanish league and Serie A, like you do see some teams coming through the ranks in that third and fourth place to fight. So you see your Sevillas. You, I mean, Sevilla's kind of always been out there, but you see your Atalantas, you see your Sampdoria's or something like that. Can they make it last? I don't know because those teams usually get picked off by the big boys anyway, especially in Germany. Like Bayern usually buys yeah. everyone's picks, so it's it's kind of what it is, Conte at Inter Milan is interesting to me because in Gattuso at Napoli, which is kind of almost like we have to almost think that like Gattuso might be a good coach all of a sudden. But anyway, it's just like <laughs> it's just like you hope those like mid-tier teams can kind of come back and fight through and make their presence known. But yeah, I mean. I'm not going to have the Farmers League, French League situation argument again, but talent is just going to keep going from those smaller leagues to the Premier League because that's where the money is. And that's where the media is. And that's where the marketing is. And that's where you can get your big contracts and your image rights. And also at the same time, while you might not make the Champions League, the league is actually competitive in in, in a lot of regards to the different leagues where you're not, if you're not Madrid or Barcelona or... Juve or PSG or Bayern. I mean, there was – we started the, the restart thinking that there was four teams and that's still in the Bundesliga race. And then, like, after two weeks, it was like, all right, well, Bayern's winning again. So, it's interesting to me. All right, welcome back to the second half of the Top 4 pod. We've just – gotten through some psychotherapy for garbs on Man City and Pep and we're about to talk about the Europa Europa League real quick Uh, Manchester United were big losers to Sevilla 2-1 and Inter beat Shakhtar Donetsk 5-0 Lewis thoughts on Bruno Fernandes and United's 23rd penalty of the year or whatever it was you know I've always said he's a very fair honest player he's the best player in the world better than Kevin uh, De Bruyne and, um, you know, he's just an elite uh, penalty, penalty uh, taker, and that's it. Uh, can, we talk, 
can we talk about also Ole at the wheel has not won a single thing again this year. Ole's drunk at the wheel, I think, is what the problem is. Um, yeah, I saw some Man U fans chirping Arsenal fans before the game because they were in the the uh, Europa League and we weren't. And I just want to be like, but we just won a trophy, you dipshits. Like, what What are you talking about? Uh, you know, I'm surprised they didn't win with Pogba and Bruno playing together. I thought all of a sudden now Man United were a world-class team and everything was great. But Harry Maguire at the back, I did see his quote-unquote defending on um, the goal. I don't know if he understands the game of football or not. $80 million most expensive. No, sorry, $80 million pounds most expensive defender in the world. Yeah, and just doesn't pay attention to the football, which I think might be important. What is uh, What's the story on Lukaku? Everyone, like... I think he's a good, good. Conte's obviously leading the Inter Milan. Everyone think Lukaku's actually a good player. We think he's just in the right fit, kind of mold. What do y'all, what do y'all think thinking on that one? I never really rated him. I thought his touch was awful. But if you look mm-hmm. at his goals per game stats, he's up there. Um, so production wise, I don't, I don't think you can really, really argue with it. Um, even though I don't particularly like him as a player. Do you think he's – I almost kind of think Lukaku in general is almost like a Giroud where he does what he does really well, but he's not going to be one of those ones who scores a shit ton of goals. But, like, he's very much a focal point of a team. Like, when, if you think about his game versus Brazil in the 2018 World Cup, that was probably one of the best performances I've seen from a center forward. But overall, like, I think he does miss a lot of chances. And for as much as, like, a – Unit he is, he doesn't really, he gets bullied out a lot. Like, Ted, what do you think in that situation? I think he's, he's obviously a talented, talented player. I, mean, I think mm-hmm. being in a, a Conte system is, is intriguing because obviously Conte is a, he's a 3 5 2 or, a, you know, some sort of back three system, which usually leads to a, a five man midfield. So, I mean, he's got plenty of service with natural width as well from wing-backs to whereas he's a big, strong boy. So, he's going to get service after service after service in the box, which, from a centre-back's perspective, is tough to deal with a guy that size for 90 minutes. Um, You know, I think that suits him. You know, I think, obviously, the Italian, you know, pace of play is probably a little slower in terms of just build-up and things of that nature to whereas he's not... He can stay a little more central potentially and not have to do as much work pressing and chasing down the game, um, which puts him in a more advantageous position where he's actually won't be one. But he's scoring a hell of a lot of goals. I mean, yeah. five nil, five nil in a semi final. Um, I read the stat line earlier, but I've forgotten it. But it's, it's frightening what he's done since the restart. Um, maybe he's found the right place. I mean, he was obviously a handful at, at you know Everton, and he was a handful at United as well. But it's. Uh, I think sometimes you get the right the right manager. Conte, you know, obviously had a bit of a tough time at Chelsea. It was a bit hard done by, to be fair, as most managers at Chelsea are. Um, but I think he's one you'd want to play for. Yeah. You know, like I think, you know. by the way, next next week, boys, I think we're gonna do a managers episode after we do a Champions League breakdown, just to, like talk about managers and like what 
who we feel is coming out, who's going to do really well, who might be not in a great situation. Pep, maybe, or whoever. Ronald Koeman, definitely possible. Um, but I think that's going to be a good conversation we can have. But um, let's get into transfer business after that. Um, we'll start out with the Arsenal news. We had the biggest signing of the week last week. Go for it. Yep, signed Willian officially. <laughs> the worst kept secret in the world. Um, fine with it. Since then, we've signed a bunch of youth team players, it looks like, for the under-23s. bunch of fringe people that other clubs have let go. I think with the idea that you bring in a bunch of players to see if you can develop one of them, and if so, it makes it worth it. And then uh, the big one up next, apparently, is uh, Gabriel from Lille. But I was just reading, as I was about to talk about this, and apparently Napoli have come in with a last-minute offer to him that apparently is a, a very large um, don't, don't do weekly right now. Pay, on, pay, pay bump. So On air, don't do that to me. Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, so that, that's because Koulibaly apparently is city-bound, isn't he? Right, and so that's they've been the selling rumor. him as that. So probably that deal is getting more advanced and they're more willing to open up the checkbook to him. So I think he's probably not Arsenal-bound, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. But we're sending them Papa, I thought, Socrates. We are sending them Socrates, so maybe we have to pay them more money? <laughs> I was going to say, is that to entice them, or is it because you really want them to you know, maybe play, go play for Napoli? I don't know. Lewis and I were just chatting. Like, this, There's been like all these kind of rumours that apparently Socrates was... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It is whatever. Koulibaly, the city, though? What is this news? Mm-hmm. I've read Gar- that. Gar- looks that talking. way. Yeah, it looks that way. Um, That's because it was a defender's fault, not Pep's. Yep. But I I honestly... <laughs> I, I've told you guys in the text thread, I'd prefer to keep John Stones and try to give that kid some confidence and go with Stones, Ake, Laporte, and... Whatever I I don't I don't love the Koulibaly signing mostly because of age and I just think that central defenders changing leagues sometimes we've seen that it's not as good as what you would expect. Um, yeah, I don't know, but it looks Why like do it's you, done. Do, are you doing it because you think Laporte's made of glass, or what's the reason? Well, Laporte's left-footed, so I I think it's trying to find a guy to play on the right side of Laporte because Ake is left-footed also. So that makes what sense. Is, what is school of Ali? Is he left footed? Uh, no, he's right. right. He's got right footed. He's in a right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's why. Um, I think Eric Garcia was going to be that and we weren't going to buy Kula Bali. But I think that him wanting to leave for Barcelona, which seems like a fun project to go be a part of. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that's, I think that's why. I don't love it. I'd prefer to go get a young guy somewhere and see if he can develop him. How about a Rob Holding? Yeah, would you take him then? <laughs> we'll trade you Otamendi. Oh no, thanks. I got one of well, them. Well, we'll take it. We'll take it if it. We'll take it if it means we get uh, Gabriel for sure. So that bringing up the left foot right thing, right foot thing does make it interesting though, because Gabriel is pretty heavily left footed, and Napoli are talking about replacing the right side of their centre back pairing with a left footed player. So that's. An interesting huh. move. Yeah. So maybe, I had a question maybe it's paper for you guys. Talk. Go for I had it. a question for you guys. Um, 
How do you feel about becoming the MLS of the Premier League? <laughs> huh? Well, I mean, and if like, anybody's wondering what I mean, I mean taking washed-up superstars and overpaying them and thinking it's going to change something. So you, well, first off, when you text this, I ha- wasn't I, it two? Isn't it two ten a week you're paying him? Is that right? No, no a hundred, hundred twenty-five, hundred fifty, something like that. It was low, 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 uh, low compared hundreds. to yeah. low compared to the uh, some of our players on, on the squad. He was actually offered more by um, United and Chelsea, but we offered him a extra year. Was yeah. what pushed it over. Uh, yeah, interesting. I heard he was offered quite a bit by Minnesota FC too. Yeah, cool. Minnesota United. Good for them. Good for them. Didn't get in there, did they? <laughs> he didn't fancy Columbus crew away though, so uh, yeah. it's nice for a, it's nice for a uh, you know Columbus crew type side to be to beat uh, City in the FA Cup though. So yeah, that's kind of new and different. Probably, probably looked at the turf on Minnesota FC and didn't want to rip up his fucking knees on the actual uh... <laughs> Whatever you call that that stuff now, whatever. It so is, you think that's turf. what it was? He, he chose real grass over turf. No, I think what it was he saw Mikel Arteta being an absolute hoss who beat City and Chelsea in a final, won the FA Cup, and thought that team was going somewhere. Plus, he also saw his mates that were David Luiz. He also had a big Brazilian contingent with Martinelli, Pablo Marie, all those boys, and was like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go party with them, and then also. We also paid him one hundred fifty thousand dollars a week, or whatever it was. So you know, which which helps, yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's not look from all 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 accounts, it was very much an Arteta signed off signing. He likes his versatility. We have zero creativity in the midfield right now. I'm interested to see what we do moving forward in terms of. I'm actually more interested to see like what we do in terms of outgoings than we do in ingoings because we're not going to be able to sell Mustafi or Pablo Marie because they're both injured. So Papa is probably going to have to go. Holding is probably going to have to go, which is kind of sucks. Chambers is injured, so I don't think he can go. Um, there's a whole situation with Danny Ceballos. And then it sounds like Abba is definitely going to be announced this week, which is cool. And then I think Lockup might go, but we'll see what happens there. To Juve, maybe. Fine. Do whatever you want to do. Yep, be fine. I think yeah. the interesting thing about Will about William to me is there's rumblings that Arteta sees him as more of a central player. Right. Which as he gets older might make more sense than someone that's gonna run up and down the wing all day long. Um if you look at a lot of his highlights he does some interesting things in that half space. Um and we have no one that does that. So I think it was worth a punt, considering we have no cash to spend 40, 50, 60 million on someone that's probably at that level of the game. Um, so I'm good with it. No, I think it's, I, I, I'm messing with you guys. I think it's good business to get a guy like that on a free to come into a squad, a guy who's won something, who's whatever, still has quality. I, I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I know. We, we, I know. We, um, I also think like the the main factor is also he comes in and he, he does end up playing on the winger in the ten spot. You've got Saka, you've you've got Martinelli and all those guys. He's not going to really take up too much time on the wing. He's, he's going to allow them to develop in that time period. So he's not someone who's like standing in their way really in that situation. So 
Well, really, when you come to with the Arsenal transfer situation, it's like more like what's going on at the top level. So that'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward because it sounds like Edu and Arteta have much more of a impact now that role is gone. So we'll see how many more Kia Gorbachev boys come in. But yeah, it's super interesting. What do you, Ed, you signed a, Tedinho, you signed a guy from Greece or where was he from? Uh, Kostas Simikas. Yeah, left back, believe. right for Andy? Yeah, a little bit of cover, which I think is. Uh... It's good because I mean I think you know Nico Williams has done a good job over there, but he's not left-footed. Um, and it naturally puts you in a bit of a struggle because you're constantly trying to either play a ball you're not confident with on your left side or cut inside on your right inside, which obviously gets you pressed quicker. So I think uh, you know, now we're looking at you know Nico Williams as a backup for Trent, and then uh, you know Costas Simicus for um, Brandy Robertson. Simicus looks to be okay, to be fair, a similar sort of athlete to what. Club likes gets up and down. He's long. He's lean. Um, gives him a little bit different, you know, in terms of uh, value. I know we were going after Jamal Lewis from uh, uh, Norwich. Norwich, but then Norwich we offered him ten. Norwich wanted twelve, so we told them to piss off, and they got nothing. So there you go. Um, I think that's a really good indication of a well-run club, right there. Is saying, mm-hmm. all right, here's what our statistical analysis has developed, and Here's what we think he's worth. And if Jamal is, if you don't get the 10, then we've got another guy that we can definitely get for, I don't know. If you don't mind I was surprised. Yeah. Did you, I was surprised because you... I was expecting him to get who he wanted because it was very, very well published that Jamal Lewis was one that, again, had hit a lot of the analysis and a lot of the statistical stuff that, you know, drives a lot of what the club does. But um, I was also surprised because he hadn't featured, like, hell of a lot like he'd been kind of in and out of the squad with, with Norwich he obviously weren't very good um, you know but he also we paid eight and a half million for Andy Robertson and that worked out okay um, right. you know and low money for for Wijnaldum and you know it com- comparably I mean you look at the money we spent on Mane I think it was like what 28 maybe which these days would be a bargain so I, mean, I think they've done a decent job. I still think, you know, I've said before, I think we need a couple more more incoming, but I don't see it happen. This Thiago saga is going on forever. Um, but yeah, I was this is cost us that'll be interesting. I think there'll be a as with all all of them, there's going to be a bit of a you know acclimation period to see kind of how he how quickly he picks it up. But um, there's also the question of coming from Olympiakos, which the Greek league is not tremendous. Um, how quickly he gets gets on board with it, but you know, seeing a little bit more of this Thiago saga, it sounds as if he's supposedly already looking at housing. They're just trying to figure out whether Liverpool want to spend thirty million or not, and their budget they can, won't budge on the price. Either side, Bayern want thirty, and Liverpool don't want to pay thirty. So, be interesting to see who blinks first in that one. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't think we're doing any business to be honest. Um, you know, the good thing is, you know, in terms of new signings, uh, Tzimikas has way better tattoos than Joe Hart, so. Louis, <laughs> <laughs> I think you did want to bring that up. Let's talk about Joe Hart's tattoos. I just don't understand it. Um, you, you, think it's a cover job? you think it's a cover job from something terribly he did earlier? 
I was wondering that, but it's in various places on his right arm, and then he has a couple just solid bands on his right leg as well. It's a, it's a look that he's going for, and I think that look is a twat. Um, <laughs> so I really don't understand it. Great signing for Spurs, I though. I did hear that Spurs were signing him basically because they are down a homegrown situation. So they need one homegrown player on there because that third keeper is like, Perfect for them, so they just were like, "All right, we'll just take Joe Hart." So, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Joe Joe Hart just had the colossal, just, I mean, Pep torpedoed his career, really, didn't he? Like he was on yep. on the cusp on the cusp of everything, playing pretty well for England, and then I guess they came in, looked at him in training, and said, "Your feet aren't good enough. See you later." And he just had calamity after calamity. Um, Wait, to be fair, the last English keeper, same Pickford, the same way. They've not done great. Yeah, I mean Pickford's got. I mean, the thing about Pickford is his feet aren't the issue. Yep, lack of arms. It's his short arms. Yeah, (laughs) but I mean, he's he's been. There's no way anyone looks at the England team here in the next six to eight months and says he's going to be the number one. I don't think. Oh, definitely. Nick Pope Pope and Dean Henderson, and even the young lad down at Bournemouth. I forget his last name, but he's done a good job. He just actually gone to. Um, hasn't he just gone to Sheffield United? I forget his name now. He went, he, went, he went last week, didn't he? He went last week for decent money. But no, I think you look at it and you know Joe Hart going there. It's interesting. I just don't. It, it kind of it kind of surprised me. You know, I I more saw, you know, maybe Chelsea going and having a uh, having a go you at Nick Pope and having a go. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Yeah. Um, I thought Chelsea might have a go at Nick Pope and then maybe you know, Joe Hart gets a go at Burnley but I don't know interesting two year deal as well so um, maybe it'll just become Scott Carson <laughs> Carson just re-signed for another year I know maybe it'll just be Scott Carson he'll be just like the uh, the lad who's you know his, his English is good and he can help all the boys get around Manchester just clipboard, <laughs> clipboard Jesus for like keepers I like it um, yeah, co sign some loans, you know, those sorts of <laughs> yeah. things for the boys who the boys who are too young, or you know, help them out with a moving van, all those sorts of things. But uh, awesome. no, it's it's going to be interesting. The other one's Richard Wright as well. Was did that same yeah. role? Mm-hmm. It's that same role at City for a long yeah, time. He, yeah, he was there for a long time. What a yep. career to have, though. Just not seriously. bad. Backup like goalkeeper, same as back, backup. Uh, a third string quarterback in the NFL. It's the yeah. best job. Yeah. Best job. Just the backup sideline. Better the backup kicker or punter. Either way, you're making three hundred fifty-five thousand dollars a year, cash in there. No contract. Um, got a couple of transfer rumors we can. Yeah, get let's a go. I was going to ask if there's any to. more transfer. Yeah, go for it. Apparently, uh, Van de Beek to Barcelona is the rumor. Uh, they need someone in midfield that isn't thirty-three to thirty-two years old and can <laughs> actually move. Well, so Van, that... Van de Beek's older than that. Yeah, he had a good, James. good run. He had a, a good run at, you know, <laughs> Dawson, good run with Dawson's Creek. Yeah, but I mean, his his <laughs> his, his, his best years are behind him. I mean, oh, to be fair, I'm not trusting anything coming out of Barcelona until their whole like executive staff is crushed at this point. So just wait till Raúl gets back there. <laughs> I hope so. Go for it, brother. Take it. Um, Serge Aurier or Serge Aurier to AC Milan, apparently. 
Um, he's shite, so that's probably good for Spurs if they can get any money back from him. But he was Mourinho's favorite player. Mourinho likes people for about a year. He played. He played the most minutes of any guy under Mourinho. I remember seeing that and laughing. Yeah, I never rated him. I don't no. know what he can't play football. Well, I mean, when Kalasinash and him were going up against each other, it was literally a clown show. <laughs> um, the worst yeah. defenders on the field. So, while Just while entertaining athletes. for the neutral, it was very terrible to watch from our perspective. So, yeah, that's that's all I got. Those those two are the ones I've heard doing um, the rounds. But I'm sure over the next couple of weeks, you'll see things heat up a little bit more. I do. Before we go into the questions, I do want to ask Barb's. What do you think about the, the statue of David Silva? Anybody who wants to give a shit for that, like <laughs> I've got nothing for you. No, I mean that guy changed. That guy changed the club forever. And I think not recognizing that is crazy. I think in a few like years down the road, history starts yesterday, right? So I think like down the road years that that's going to be an important person that could. He basically was the cornerstone of the entire thing. You know, the way we played attacking football and and won titles. And the guy had 11 trophies in 10 years. I mean, come on. For a club that had a, hadn't won a trophy in 35 years. Perfect. So that guy yeah, changed, I completely changed I the history. Wasn't hating on the man. He, he's, he was amazing. I'm just, I was just thinking, I want to get your initial reaction. And then also, welcome to you to the Real Sociedad fan club. Because and I will be a part of that. Yeah. I, I will be sending you your membership. Uh, sticker, your bumper sticker, and your your little uh, scarf as well. Perfect. I, I think my favorite take on that topic was Paul Ince. I think it was who said he was talking about it and how he didn't think it he deserved one. And he said, "Do you see Dennis Burkamp and Thierry Henry having statues outside of the Emirates?" As, <laughs> and the answer is. Yes, Paul. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul, let me just send you a couple of fucking pictures real quick. <laughs> that was really an- Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I think another uh, another angle to ask questions about is um Bernardo Silva's massive butt hurt on Twitter. I was not. Um, oh, I loved it. That. I loved it. After, I loved after, it. I'm, after I'm, on he's, team Gar- he's, I'm on team Garbs on this one. So after he sh- he showed his ass now two or three times in similar situations, to then get mad because he's getting chirped by fans when you're in a position where guess what, mate? That happens daily. I felt he just looked a little bit, especially off the back of the, uh, you know, he was the only one the guard of honor spat as well, which he, I think it's a silly practice anyway, but. You know, he's the only one who's visibly not giving a toss about it. I think he just looks a little bit petty. Dude, I don't. I honestly don't mind it. It's like whatever. If you, I mean, if you, it's fine. If you, if Liverpool fans want to come in, chat shit, then like he can chat shit back. So I didn't like. I didn't like it. It's not, it's um, not a good look. I I didn't like it because now he. I I don't know if he wants it or not, but it sure seems he does. But he has a target on his back now. And I mean, if he any game that he plays against Liverpool, that he's not the best player on the pitch, he's just going to get absolutely shredded. I mean, and the way this year went, he wasn't on the pitch much anyway. So, (laughs) which was which was also, I'm not sure if I agreed with, but I don't know. It reminds me. I'm not at training every day. It reminds me a lot of the rant, 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 rant. It it reminds me a lot of the unwritten (laughs) rules of baseball bullshit, like that just happened yesterday, where the guy hit on the run. Started on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, dumbest sport. 
Yeah. Well, okay, boys. Uh, re- rewind, rewind, two, rewind two pods <laughs> to approximately minute 48. Yeah. You will hear the evaluation had, had, of baseball. Had listeners literally texting me saying, when does Ed start ranting about against the MLB? So, anyway. But, yeah. It, just, it reminds <laughs> me a lot of that. We're like, yo, if, if you're going to be a fan and you want to talk shit on Twitter, then, you know. I mean, he didn't even talk shit. He just kind of, like, laid it out for him. But uh, it's yeah. what it is. Um, I've never think... seen those things go well. That's my final no, thought on that. No, because it's it'll it always comes back to bite you. You got to take yep. the high ground. Yep. Or post something without words. Post a picture, you get away with it. Post an emoji, you get away with it. You know, as soon as you like start, Jimmy, start, I feel like Jimmy Vardy's gotten away with it pretty well. Yeah, because he backs it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, so we don't know. Bernardo maybe next year backs and, it up. We'll see. And he and he drinks Red Bull vodkas and Skittles for pregame. So yeah, he's he's chill. Right. <laughs> <So, laughs> uh, he doesn't even have to back it up. He just starts out with that, and that's it. But more more importantly, this, I know this is obviously not a, a baseball pod, but why are we why is everyone getting butthurt about some moron like absolutely hanging a ball three zero count over the plate and getting it bombed? That would have been you know like what? asking. That would have been like asking Byron the other day to stop scoring against Barca. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. And here's the other thing. You know what that guy probably gets paid for? Hitting he home murdered. runs. As in, <laughs> if he gets if he gets a thirty home run season, he gets a bonus. He hundred percent gets paid. Yeah, he hundred percent has incentives on RBIs and home runs for sure. And his next contract and everything. That sport's all about analytics. So imagine if that at bat turns into grounding into a double play. Like that, I whatever. His own, especially, his own, especially his own in what's manager. going to be a shortened season, dude. His right. own manager, his own manager calling him out was bullshit. That the was, manager was that was bullshit. And then, Awful. and then, and then, like I saw the Nats. So FP San Angelo is the Nats like uh, color commentator who played in great name. Like, yeah, he was just like he was like, dude. He like we we've been wanting to talk about baseball forever. Why are we having this fucking conversation? It's so ridiculous. It's so dumb. It's like, yo, if you don't, if you don't want some guy to go to bomb on you on three zero, first off, don't go to three zero, and second off, don't fucking hang a ball, belt high at ninety miles belt an hour, and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Don't, so, Meanwhile, don't... the team that cheated their way to two to a title and almost the second one, nobody has free. anything to yeah. say. Nobody oh, has anything to say about that. My dad, don't my want... dad, my dad, literally every day I talk to him, he's just like. No one's hit the Astros yet. I'm like, yep, they're just getting off scot-free because of this whole bullshit COVID stuff. So. No, you get suspended eight games for that. I saw one guy got, yeah, yeah one guy hit him. Joe but... Kelly. Good. Joe yeah. Kelly. Yeah. Longer or, than yeah. any Astros player got suspended for anything that happened. When did this you don't have someone hit a bomb? Start so I can edit this out. <laughs> yep, don't want to have someone hit a bomb. You know what? Don't masquerade as a pitching machine when you're on the mound. How about that? Yeah, right, exactly. Don't get, down, don't get down 3-0 on the count, then you don't have to throw a strike. Right. The thing that I thought was even worse about that was not the people. The people that were like, "Oh, shouldn't do it at that score." That's a dumb argument. But the people that said, "Regardless of score, you should never swing at a three-zero pitch." Yeah, that's what you're talking about. It, David Ortiz it, made a living doing that. Exactly, because it's always easy to hit. Fucking crack it, dude! I played baseball. Like the best pitch you ever got was three-zero. Ever. Yep. <laughs> it's like because they were just trying to paint it across the fucking middle every time. And any any good hitter, the coach gave the green light on three zero. Oh yeah, for sure. Not to mention, if you are that big power hitter, getting a walk and getting on base is useless to your team because you're usually yeah. a fat bastard that you can't run. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I once had I, whatever. I, I, I had a coach in AU travel, and 
he I had three count and he said he gave me a take sign and I was like fuck that. I hit a triple off the wall and got to third and he's obviously he's a third base coach and he said, Yeah, you're sitting the rest of the game because you didn't take and I was like, Okay, fine, cool. Like that that was literally their that was his fucking experience of the baseball game and I was like Okay, scored a run. We won the game, but like his whole thing was like, "Well, you didn't listen to me, and you didn't take on a three-zero count, and it said you hit a strike." Which, fine, whatever. So, worst all, the worst thing, but, rather than him benching you, the worst thing is that he made you watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what what seventy-one thirty-two? Edit edit out. <laughs> All right, I do have some questions for people from other listeners, not just from me. Garbs, you're the first up. Does Pep stay as coach past 2022? No, I think he'll do I think he'll do next year and maybe one more and next year might be the last two. That's what I think. If he doesn't like win the two is league. maximum. Two is okay, maximum. So that was that was question 1A. Question 1B. Shh. I guess this is a two-part question on one B. Does he need to win the Champions League to – I guess I'll phrase it in this way. Does he need to win the Champions League to retain the job for 2022? I don't I don't think so. I, I think a semifinal or a final maybe. And it also depends on what he does domestically. He can't have another year like this year, I don't think. Um, sure. And I think that's more of a – not even necessarily performance based. I think that's a player's base. Like I think you're gonna lose lose your players if it another year like this year happens. I think you lose your dressing room and I think that's he'll know when to go to. I think he's done that well other places. But yeah, no, I I, I don't think the pressure will be on from the board if he doesn't win it. I think it's more of a mutual ways I gotta get out of here kind of deal. Sure. Okay. I got one for the group here. We'll go around the table. Do you enjoy the European knockout stages being one like legged ties, or do you yearn for the days of two legged ties? So we'll start with Lewis. Um, I don't mind it. I I like that there's no away goal bullshit that we have to work with. Um, so I'll be fine with keeping it the way it is. In the, probably only in the knockout stages, though. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Uh. Teddy Atlas. Would it go to the highest seed? Would be the home team. That'll be the format. I don't know. You now you just ask a question that we all have to answer. I mm. think it should. There should be some should, advantage. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the NCAA I mean, tournament. Yeah, I mean, I've always. I think the away goals thing is kind of. Yeah, you know, I think it probably needs to needs to alter. If you're gonna do two legged affairs, you know, just make it. Is what it is. Goals a goal. I, I don't see any reason for. For the rest of it, if we're going to keep two legs, I wouldn't mind a one-legged one. I mean, I think it in terms of this next year especially, I think they should keep it one leg just for the fixture congestion that's going to happen. Um, but long term, I think we're talking about it, it does bring a little bit more um, excitement to it because obviously, you know, underdog games, you know, a one-off. Leon have got more chance of beating Man City in a one-off than they do in a two-leg, for example. So it does bring a bit more kind of the romanticism of a cup competition back so I'd be for it what about you Garbs I think with no crowds the way it is now is awesome um, but I I enjoy the 
two legs. I like to see teams have to go to certain stadiums and have to get a result and then get one at their own place. Um, but I think away goals has got to go, especially the extra time. I think that's just nonsensical. Um, but I, I enjoy the two two legged ties, and I enjoy seeing I enjoy seeing my team get to go to stadiums that you wouldn't necessarily see, you know, and getting the same thing at home. Um, I think for the fans that are there, it's good too to be able to travel to new places, that kind of thing, and get to see some of the biggest stadiums in the world and best fan bases in the world. Um, I'm I'm all for the two legs there, but I away goals have got to go. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's a delicate balance between allowing smaller teams, clubs, or smaller clubs fans to come to larger clubs, stadiums. But at the same time, I do like the fact that um, I think there's more of a chance of an upset in that case to having only on a, on a one game situation. Obviously, by if we look at the what's happened in the last few weeks of European competition. But I'm also, I don't know, two legs. I, I, I do think the away goal needs to go away because it, Originally was set up to so the traveling the traveling uh, teams wouldn't would attack, but I think really previously like, we kind of look at it like as a, as a nil nil as a home game is actually a lot better than a lot of times. So anyway, from there, do you guys have any questions before I've got a couple more to ask uh, the squad after this? Doing a roll, doing a roll, go for it. Yeah, go for uh... it. So we asked about Pep. We asked about um, the Champions League. Do you all think that? All right. Well, this is for Lewis. Actually, this is from me, by the way, Lewis. Um, what's your What's your comfortable situation with where Arsenal is right now in terms of the whole off the field situation that's happening? Buzzing because they level. can't lose this week. Um... <laughs> Hey, we haven't lost in about four weeks, brother. Yes, right. Uh, I'm comfortable with the off the field situation. I mean, Raul San San Leahy, when we brought him in, and it basically became quickly apparent he was going to sign players from his friends who happen to be agents. Uh, that's not how we're going to get back where we need to be, and so I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with the business lawyer they put in place and. Binai as the director and then Edu and Arteta making the footballing decisions. People actually know about football. That's probably a good move. Um, so I'm comfortable with it. It's a bit of a, of turmoil after we had turmoil with Wenger leaving just a few years ago. So it's not great in that regards, but I think it had to be done. Fair enough. I pretty much agree with all of that. Okay. So let's do predictions real quick. Um, I'll write this down, Lewis, and I'll send it to you after. So, we've done one semi of the Champions League. PSG beat Red Bull Leipzig 3-0. Bayern versus Lyon. Garbage, what do you got? 4-1 Bayern. Uh, okay. 4-1. Uh, Ted? This is for the Lyon game? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can't see Lyon scoring. I'll go 3-0. Bayern. Okay. Uh, Lewis? Hmm. I'll go 5-1 Bayern. Holy shit. It's going to be a brutal brutal day for Lyon. Uh, All right. Yeah, yeah, Farmers League and everything. 
you know, exactly as you go. Um, Europa League final. Inter versus Sevilla. What do we got, uh, Ted? Um, Friday night, okay. by the way, listeners. Inter. Sevilla won't get shot out. Uh, I'm going to go shoot out 3 2 Inter. 3 2. Okay, Garbs. 2 1 Inter, extra time winner. Okay, 2 1 Inter, extra time. Lewis. 2 1 Sevilla. Nice. I'm going to actually go 3 1 Sevilla. Okay, and then actually on the uh, Bayern Leon, I'll go go four nil since we have everything else in between. So Bayern. So we should all bet on Leon tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, what are the odds of that, that that game? Plus ten eighty six. Ooh, that's that's worth that's to tempting. send like twenty bucks on Leon right there. Anyway. Yeah, right, that's, that's the thought. Any more for any more? Are we good? I'm yeah, good. I'm all good. Good. All right. Well, it's great to talk to you guys after a week. I miss you all. And we will be back next week, and we'll probably start doing predictions for the Premier League soon because it's not too far away. So everyone have a great night, and talk to you all later. Say goodbye, Garbs. Later. See, say goodbye, Ted. See you, boys. Say goodbye, Lewis. See ya.